Hello everyone, I am Manny. And I'm Wyo. Welcome back to the Kink Buffet Podcast. This is episode 4 of season 3. This episode is going to follow up our Christmas episode with another, well it's not really a themed episode, but we were thinking about New Year's and New Year's resolutions and how we could tie this to a talk about kink or polyamory or DS or something in our world. And I think I came up with something. Oh, well, do tell. <laughs> and I have told Wyo nothing about this. Well, I've been preparing for this podcast for all of 45 seconds before, I, <laughs> before we hit record to do this. So I've, I haven't prepared either, but I had an idea. So the uh, the thing I came up with was the idea of a New Year's resolution for... Well, more directed towards our mainstream or vanilla audience. Um, this is not something that usually needs to be, not pushed, but suggested in the kink community because it's typically part of the kink community already. But the idea is uh, to uh, experiment. So experiment with your sexuality, experiment with your relationship. It's about experimentation and my suggested New Year's resolution for our vanilla friends out there was to commit to experimenting with your sexuality and relationships in 2021. I like it. Sexual liberation in 2021. Yeah, so we were going to discuss the various aspects of, you know, just kind of touch on polyamory and DS and kink, and there are, they're not all equal. I mean, Different types of experimenting come with different risks. Some have almost no risk, and there's no reason not to try them. Other ones, you're putting a lot on the table. Mm-hmm. And we'll throw those out there because the more you have to consider when making these decisions, mm-hmm. hopefully the better armed you are and the better decisions you'll make. Right. So the lowest place r- with of risk to start is not between your legs. It's between your ears to open your mind and start to think. Oh, well, and that's not really risky at all, like you just said. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the idea. I, I apply this to so many areas of my life outside of where it came from. But you're, you're familiar with Pascal's Wager, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to share because this was a great little piece of philosophy from... I want to quote the century so I can sound all uppity and smart. Uh, let's just say it was an older, <laughs> an older philosopher. Um, it's not a modern day. Uh, but uh, Pascal was philosophizing about the idea of religion. And unlike the other philosophers, he was not trying to conclude if God was real or if God was good or morality. He wasn't thinking about those things. He was objectively analyzing whether or not you should be religious. And he was talking about Christianity. So specific, why you should, or should you, or should you not be a Christian? And without debating whether or not God was real, or if the Bible was fiction or nonfiction. And what he put forth, and they call this Pascal's Wager, is the idea of weighing what you have to gain versus what you have to lose. So he argued, again, without ever 
debating whether or not God was real or if this stuff was nonsense or truth, he, he argued that if you choose to be religious, all it costs you is a little bit of time on Sunday morning and, you know, saying a prayer before meals. 10% of your income your whole life. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think... He, so, yeah, but I don't think that that was not part of his debate. Right. His yeah. debate was whether or not um, to... Because that actually would change the whole Pascal's wager. Mm-hmm. So that was not actually what he was talking about. He was talking about the idea that it takes so little mm-hmm. to be a Christian. Right. You're not required to give 10% of your income to be a Christian. You're supposed to. Mm-hmm. But that's not required to, to get into heaven. Mm-hmm. According to Christian belief, it has nothing to do with that. It just has to do with basically yeah, believing in this thing and asking for forgiveness. It's re- the idea is that it takes nothing. Um, what you have to gain, if it turns out that Jesus was the Son of God, mm-hmm. <laughs> what you have to gain is eternal bliss. Like the you have so much to gain, trillions of times as much as anything pleasure you find on Earth for trillions of times as long. Longer than that, eternity is forever. It seemed like a pretty small thing to give up for a chance to gain so much. He also argued, what if you're wrong? The penalty for being wrong is eternal suffering and damnation. And and all you had to do to avoid that suffering and damnation is say a couple prayers asking for forgiveness, right? I mean, it, it, it takes nothing. So much to gain and so much to lose with so little effort that he argued that even if you thought it was highly improbable that the Bible was true, it still made sense to be a Christian because of how much was at stake. Mm-hmm. That, that was the argument. Yeah. And I think that you can apply this to a lot of things in life. I do all the time, which is what do I have to gain and what do I have to lose? So the idea of where this would apply, <laughs> we're going to jump all the way over to how this applies to the kink world. Sex and relationships. Sex and relationships. Risk is, benefit is a hundred percent what do you have valid for that? What yeah. do you have to lose and what do you have to gain by trying something? Well, if you don't have anything to lose other than a few minutes of displeasure or you know, one evening of your life, that's not a lot to lose. Whatever you try something, didn't like it. But what you possibly have to gain is forty years of increased sexual pleasure. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. If you're not risking anything, you're wrong to not experiment. Even if you think it's unlikely that you're going to like the thing, if you granted a 1% chance of liking it, but you can gain 50 years of pleasure for 10 minutes of not enjoying it, it's still, Pascal's wager says it still makes sense. Yeah. And you don't know what you don't know. Right. And I'm going to start off with a story. And you're familiar with this because you know her. You haven't met her in person, but you'll know who I'm talking about when I start. Mm -hmm. So when I was traveling, I met a woman who was really neat, really nice. She was pretty. She was funny. Really cool. And we talked for a while before I got to town because I was only going to be in town for that one night. And we had already decided we were going to spend the night together. And and she had dogs, so we got a hotel and, you know. But we had planned that ahead of time. And we had talked all about sex uh, beforehand, as we normally do. She was completely vanilla. She had had no experience with anything related to kink um, at all. She was curious about some things, certain things. You know, I I would bring up things and she would say, yeah, no, that's not happening. 
But there were other things. She had a mild curiosity. Well, I always you know, wondered what that might feel like. Um, but it was a light curiosity. Now, one of the things, and you, at some point you're going to know who I'm talking about. At, at some point, uh, she she told me, she I think she was 40 or late 30s. She had never been married, and she was never going to get married. And the reason why is that whenever she was with someone, after a couple months, that person just didn't click with her. And she was so sweet and easygoing. I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't know her that well, but I'm pretty sure that it wasn't her. Mm-hmm. Like, she was cool. If she had f- flaws, they were buried deep, because she was, she was awesome. Anyways, um, it never clicked. And the biggest reason it didn't click is she never clicked with anyone in the bedroom. She, uh, she wondered if she was a lesbian, and she tried that, and that didn't click. And she, you know, nobody clicked in the bedroom. And, and she told me, among other things, that she almost never orgasmed during sex, even with stimulating herself, even with toys, when she had sex and when she was having sex, orgasm usually wasn't on the table. She said it happened a few times, I believe, but it just, that didn't typically happen. So she never clicked with anybody sexually mm-hmm. and she was vanilla and she never experimented with anything. Well, women, but that's not, it was still vanilla. Anyway, so we get together and we had a great evening together, and, and during sex, and we had talked about this before, I asked her about just light spanking, if that was something she, and she goes, yeah, sure, I'm, I'm curious, and no one's ever done that before. I think I might have even asked her, what about on your face? And she'd be like, no way, <laughs> you know? Right. Like, she was only just dabbling in this. Mm-hmm. And you're nodding now, because now you've you've gotten to know her since, a yeah. little bit. So during, during sex, uh, at one point, I spanked her butt it was pretty hard but it was still open hand you can only do so much mm-hmm. but um i was spank i was spanking her during sex and she had a huge orgasm not from the spanking but mm-hmm. as part of that part of the session mm-hmm. had a huge orgasm and then even had a second one that night which never happens mm-hmm. and like she had no idea like she had this look of surprise on her like she didn't know where that came from right but she had never done it before and, and you'll remember this, she actually said to me afterwards that evening, she says, I could get married now. Yeah. And, and it was such a, you know, well, she wasn't talking about me, but she was like, and she was a little playful, but what she was saying was, oh my God, that's the thing that was missing, that if I had that, maybe even some of these other relationships could have worked because I could have been satisfied sexually mm-hmm. and I could have had that connection. Um the first thing I did is because I was traveling alone is I put, I said, you got to meet my, I was very honest. I, I said, you got to meet, um, my partner, Wyo mm-hmm. and, um, by phone and I gave her your number and then you guys connected on the phone and then right. you recommended some books and then she ordered a, a, some books on kink and sent you pictures of these kink books and now she's in a relationship. Right. And it, it wasn't going to happen. By the way, this doesn't mean there's anything special about me. Mm-hmm. Other than I was, you open, were the one that opened the door. I opened yeah. the door for it, but it's mm-hmm. not that it's not that I blew her mind or that I rocked her world or that I'm so good at sex. It had nothing to do with that. It, it was anyone, I think, that she felt comfortable and safe with, and attracted to that that spanked her. Right. Was going to cause this reaction. So and, mentally, yeah, you have to be in a place where you're ready to experiment. You have to make the 
decision in advance that you're not going to judge what you're doing until after you know how it affects you. You have to make that determination in your head before you even start thinking about, well, what would I find as a turn on that might be a little unconventional or right what well, and the what she because it could have been anybody that she had been exposed to before and if it, the if her mind wasn't made up that she was in a place to yeah okay well you can spank me a few times and, and what did she have to lose in this engagement right she was never going to see me again if she didn't want to mm-hmm. i wasn't going to tell her co-workers because i didn't live in the same town right if she had said no after the first one like literally all she had to risk is one Mm-hmm. I don't like that stop. Yeah. Like, she had Pascal's wager. She had nothing to lose. And, but she, by the way, she didn't go into us thinking, if I could just have someone to spank me. That's right. all. I read about this all the time. And when I masturbate, I think about spanking. Ed, exactly. She was not in that place. She was just in a, well, I know some people do that. Let's try it. Mm-hmm. So she hadn't even fantasized about it. Right. She was simply open to something different. Right. And it was a win. And there are plenty of other people that do that, and their response is, yeah, don't do that again. Well, and even if that's the response, like, I... They rule it out. Yeah, you rule it out. So that's still a win. It's not like you're going to be forced to do something you don't like always and forever. If you learn that that's the thing, then great if it's not the thing then great and you've already you've, you're still making progress so you can celebrate the progress either way and by the way just let's add one little side note here is that she might have not enjoyed me doing that it does not mean she wouldn't have enjoyed someone else doing it because mm-hmm. it is dependent on the person so don't rule something out because you tried it one time mm-hmm. i mean how many people in the kink world find things that they like and they're like god my when my ex-husband did that i didn't like it at all Oh, you mean when you guys were going through that divorce? Yeah. Like, really? Like, you didn't, of course, like, you know, when he had gained all that weight and you were no longer attracted to him, you didn't want him doing that thing to you that the person you're attracted to did and turned you on. So it it, it is independent on time of day, mood, person, skill level. But, again, it took nothing to try. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's three categories of our relationship, right? The, there's the kink side, the DS side, which is the relationship power exchange, and then the polyamory. Let's let's go one at a time. Okay. So let's start with the polyamory. Okay. Because experimenting with polyamory <clears throat> is an example of using Pascal's wager to possibly not do something. It's the highest on the risk scale. It's, it's, well, if you have a partner already. Yeah, well, I guess... Potentially. Like, potentially. I think mm-hmm. that certain types of kink can be high risk, too. But but either way, you're, but you're not wrong. What, what it is, there's a lot to lose. Mm-hmm. You know, experimenting... Well, let me start by saying, if you're single, mm-hmm. polyamory contains very little risk. Right. Your risk of getting your heart broken. You're, there's, there's risk of entering into a world where you meet other another polyam person and... You decide that you're actually monogamous after all, but now you have feelings for someone that, that sees other people and it hurts. Mm-hmm. It's it's not no risk. Well, the risk of dating is not no risk. The risk, I'm, correct. So just I, correct. But I, I'm just saying, you, like, 
there's a chance. I mean, right. that you're going to get hurt. And I would say the chance, even you no know, dating comes with risk. If polyamory is new to you, I think there is a greater risk if you're meeting other people that share this. Mm-hmm. this philosophy because you're going into it knowing that they're not monogamous right uh which if you know if you know for a fact that this is who you are that might not be a big deal but it is i mean I, again i just want to be clear like don't do this and then say well there was no risk and it's like no you're, you're risking you're always risking your heart mm-hmm. but single is the easiest way to go into this mm-hmm. when you say yeah i that's the way i started so. you, yeah you simply yeah and, and i didn't start that way and it was horrible yeah and when i went into it from that place it was incredibly easy mm-hmm. within the same year within 12 months right but but so the idea of uh experiment with polyamory is really just opening your mind to different possibilities of relationships opening your mind to loving more than one person opening your mind to seeing somebody and continuing to see somebody else because that person offers something also right seeing the love that already exists in all relationships like that's the kind of what got me to a polyamory lifestyle is like i you know you just the way you interact with people is a form of love and if you give them all equal i know mm. that the sex makes things awkward in people's brains but it that's the challenge that's the challenge to overcome is that every <clears throat> every relationship is what it is and you you can't like weigh like against the other if this is the lifestyle you want to try they're they're all valid for what they are Right, and experimenting within that world as a single person is really nothing more than you when you're meeting or you've met someone who you enjoy, mm-hmm. those times when you're not with that person, you, you can choose to stay home and watch TV or knit. Mm-hmm. But you also, if you feel like popping open Tinder and swiping, you can do that. If you want to go out on a date and spend the night with someone, you can do that. It just means that you are not required to be in that person's possession when you're not together. Right. And it doesn't mean you have to be with someone just because you're not with somebody else. It's just a matter of being open to it. Mm-hmm. So that part is fairly low risk. I mean, you're more at risk possibly of, of hurting other people, to be honest, because Definitely. Mo- you'll be meeting a lot more monogamous people unless you're in the community mm-hmm. who aren't going to understand what you do or when they do and they think, Hey, that does sound cool, but that doesn't mean that they're able to handle it or can process it. Right. And the range on that can be anything from, Oh, well, all you want is sex to you're just using me for dinner and a movie out or some entertainment. And you know, the payoff is I get to sleep with you. Well, if, if that's what the relationship ends up being, that's not wrong. A couple nights a week, you go out with so and so, and this is so gender specific. But honestly, like if you're a woman, he's probably buying buying you dinner, right? If so... you're a, if you're a man, probably expect to pay for dinner. Not always, right? It's twenty twenty, but just right. generally, that's kind of like. I mean, that's what the relationship is. Hey, we go, we get together, or I mean, there's plenty of there's. It, it works that way when I go out with women too. It doesn't matter, 
it's just a matter of who you're going out with and what is you know where the hobbies align if we're going out to an arcade yeah i'm gonna throw some quarters in we're gonna have a great time if we click, I'll sleep with you probably or whatever. Like you know, it's. I like the way you say probably because probably whatever. I mean, it's if, like hey, I'll be honest. If if a guy puts a couple quarters in a pinball machine, you owe him. Uh, no. I mean, if he pulls that trigger the right way, it's, it's a sure thing. But <laughs> it's called. By the way, it's called a plunger. Oh. oh my god, do you not oh know god. anything about that? That's even better. <laughs> I just showed my age because <laughs> I'm from the pinball era. So, yeah, so so single, low risk. Mm-hmm. In a relationship, experimenting with polyamory is very high risk. The chance that you will harm or even end the relationship you're in is not like 1%. I mean, it's you are risking something. So I think with that, you have to gauge how much you want it, along with what are you willing to lose. For example, if you are in a relationship and it's not going well and it's heading out the door and it's failing and you guys are breaking up. You're probably going to accelerate the process. You're probably going to accelerate the process. But but then again, you don't have as much to lose. Mm -hmm. You're not risking a good relationship. You're risking something that wasn't working to begin with. And, Mm -hmm. but with a chance, polyamory typically isn't going to fix most relationships, Mm -hmm. but it hasn't fixed none. It has fixed and helped some. Mm-hmm. So there is a small chance, I would, I would say small, right? Mm-hmm. Small chance that you you or your partner or both of you get something that you need and all of a sudden you find that you're not missing something and then you start to enjoy the things that you and that your previous primary partner had and maybe you do get to keep them around. Not to mention, how about this? Even if you do accelerate the breakup with the person, because you've experimented with polyamory, that person doesn't have to leave your life. Right. Because in the monogamy world, it's an all or nothing, typically. Mm-hmm. I mean, when ex-spouses stay friends, when there's no kids involved, it's usually like, wow, that's, that's really... a super rare thing. And yeah. it's really cool. A lot of, a lot of them try because mm-hmm. they want to keep the friendship. I don't see many of them a year later hanging mm-hmm. out. Yeah. But in the... By the polyamory world that's not uncommon because you know what we aren't a good couple or we definitely shouldn't be living together but the sex was good or Mm -hmm. that hobby that we both enjoyed doing together that brought us together we still like doing that together right and maybe even still sleep together sometimes so you could fix a relationship without it without it by fix a relationship i don't mean turn the your current relationship into what you were shooting for with monogamy, it could totally transform it. Mm-hmm. It is possible. But again, it's also very possible that when you open up these doors, it just accelerates the breakup and it ends it. But you didn't, what do, what do you have to lose when, when things weren't going well? No, that's true. You have less to lose. Unless you have, you know, children and the household, you know, like that can you be have to, well, that's, extremely painful. But you have to weigh that. Of, that's part of what you have to weigh. If you if you're, you know, I as much as I disagree with it. If you believe that it's best to stay together for the children, then this this a good chance that experimenting to this world may not be the best idea because it can accelerate things mm-hmm. as often as not. Yeah, I'm not an expert in this area, but that's just in my small sampling size. That's what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Well, I personally offered it as an option at the 
end stages of my my marriage, my former marriage, the um, idea that I was supposed to have had options to express my bisexuality since the beginning of the relationship had never come to fruition. So I, I was asking, well, could, can we just open the relationship? Can I have a friend? You know, what? I won't have any trouble if you have one too, you know, like we'll just see how that works out. We can find somebody together, whatever, whatever works. And that was shot down like many of the other things I tried. And that, and, and in your case, Mm -hmm. your partner shutting it down accelerated the breakup. Right. So it's not, you know, again, it's not saying that there's a right or wrong way to do things. Mm -hmm. It's just the idea of you have to weigh your situation risks. Yeah. But in that case... You didn't have a good relationship. I, you had, it was worth the risk because I was already not in a healthy place. And I felt like I, it's not something I can continue to neglect my need. Uh, you know, I have a sexual orientation that needs to be expressed. And I need to find a healthy way to do that. And if right. you're not going to help me, then this isn't going to work. You're right. So. All right. Now, experimenting with polyamory in a good relationship. Mm-hmm. There's some benefits to it, such as a in a healthy relationship, then you're probably you probably communicate better. You probably understand each other better. If it's a good relationship, you have a good foundation. Mm-hmm. There's probably already trust. There's probably already these things. So you're starting off at a place where the probability of success is higher. Mm-hmm. It still goes back to Pascal's wager. Your probability of succeeding when you experiment with polyamory from a healthy relationship is higher. Right. However, you are, even though you've reduced the risk of this harming or ending the, your relationship, you are risking a better relationship. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought if someone asked me, you know, what should they do? I've always asked people, well, how bad do you want polyamory? I mean, is this, this, this need, this compelling need? I just can't be happy without loving other people. And I just, I need the freedom and I need, like, I'm stifled. I mean, if, is this, is this something where it's like, this is who I am. If I don't have this, I'm just dying inside. Yeah. Um, if it is, then there's a point of maybe, yeah, like you gotta, you gotta be true to yourself let's figure out how to do it in a healthy way like i can't deny this but if if you have a good relationship and you just want to spice things up with polyamory because it sounds like it's fun or you're curious my recommendation if you have something good is hang on to what you got Mm -hmm. good relationships are hard to come by and if you know just you can damage something and look back and go wow i can't believe i fucked up the best thing i ever had Mm -hmm. because I wanted to get with the checkout boy or the checkout girl at the grocery store. Right. Right? Like, that's... that's. Well, and you also have to know your partner because if they're not somebody who's going to be sexually open just by virtue of one partner having more options than the other can cause problems. Even if, if they get to where they're like, yeah, okay, you can go ahead and do it. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you on that one because I, I will completely disagree with what you just said. Okay. Because you say if you know your partner, 
the thing about, and, and I've heard this so many times in the polyamory world, is you have an educated guess what your partner might, how they might feel about something. You only have an educated guess how something might make you feel. Once you actually put this thing into practice, it is so common that a person feels differently than they thought. And we feel differently than we think. How many people in the experiment with, with polyamory said, I thought it was going to be fine. And then the, the minute I saw it happening, I felt jealousy. I felt yucky. I felt gross. Like that happens. Oh, and, that and happens. If, so if we, if we can so misjudge ourselves, I don't think we're capable of judging our partner's reaction. We can make guesses. But if you think, hey, my partner can handle this. They're cool. And then you go out and do it because of that, you're still rolling your dice. No, no, you wouldn't just do it. I mean, even bringing it up. Like, you have to know if they're going to be receptive to the offer at all. Oh, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Like, if they're just somebody who's not in that open kind of headspace, they're not, you're going to get shot down. So you're, you're not, you have to find out what kind of. Well, bringing it up is a risk. Mm-hmm. The minute you even bring it up, it up even bring it up makes makes the partner think that you're not happy, or it may make them think that you're not happy, or that they're not good enough for you, or that you want somebody else. They may think that you're going to cheat on them now, mm-hmm. even though the fact that you brought it up is probably more of an indication that you're that not you going won't, to. Because you're trying to find a respectful way to. But if they shoot it down, are you going to do it anyways? Because now you just express that you want this thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's a lot, um, and that's. These are all the whole entire podcast, but really what this is about is about safely experimenting and assessing the risk versus what you have to lose. Yeah. And I think the big consideration in a relationship is don't go into this thinking that you guys are so tight that this won't screw it up mm-hmm. or that, oh, we can try this thing for a month and if it doesn't work, that is not the case. Mm-hmm. People, people can damage and break something good. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have much to lose because it's not a good relationship, or if you, if this is such a part of you that what you have to lose is denying this huge part of you, that's also a lot to lose. Yeah. So weigh the risks versus the rewards. Don't don't stumble into a blind. Yeah. Fair. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about the DS relationship? Establishing roles, dominance and submission within the, now outside the bedroom, mm-hmm. we'll save the bedroom last, but the DS relationship, uh, uh, assigning control to one person, negotiating control going to one person and someone being in charge and whether that's just one person being in charge of a specific area of the relationship all the way to I'm going to control, I'm going to be in charge of, I'm going to be your master, you're my slave. It can go all the way to that. Right. Now, that's a tricky one because is it? for me, I don't see any risk at all I don't, about talking about it, I don't negotiating it. I don't see any. Okay, so I don't think it's tricky because I completely agree. That is the <laughs> lowest risk thing. Let's try this for the next 24 hours. Yeah. Hell, you could even <clears throat> you could even go all the way to a complete 24-7 master-slave relationship and... For the next 24 hours, you're the slave. And then the 24 hours after that, I'll be the slave. And let's see if either of those were fun. Mm-hmm. You don't have anything to lose. It's a stupid role play. It's fun. Yeah. 
Like, it reminds me when you're a little kid and you give your, your mom a little booklet that says, good for one free vacuuming and good for one free sweeping and good for one free dishwashing. Right. And so for one day, you're, I mean, it's your mom. <laughs> she can mm-hmm. do what the hell she wants. But the idea of that, you've submitted to, she's in control that day where I won't argue when you make me do something. Right. That's not hard to do. It's not. Well, it might be hard to do, but there's nothing to lose. The worst that happens is you go, I didn't like that. Or, Or, yeah, that was cool, but we can't do that all the time. Or maybe we have one weekend a month that we'll do that again. Or just, yeah, I mean, I I bet there are switches out there Mm and switchy relationships where they do do the power exchange. Because, I mean, in the bedroom it happens all the time. You're Mm -hmm. in charge one day, I'm in charge the next. But... I I would guess less common, but not never. Right. No, we're on the same page. There's I don't think there's any risk to doing that. That's by the way, that's the full example of the master slave, right? Mm-hmm. Simply assigning certain roles and agreeing the other person agreeing to submit to the control in those roles mm-hmm. is also something you can agree, and you can do it for a specific amount of time. Right. You know, for the next week. If we start to argue, you're in charge of deciding who was right in the argument. Mm-hmm. Well, that's hard to do. Like, I don't think I want to do that in my relationship. Well, do you want to try it for a week and see how it goes? Mm-hmm. Sure. Next thing you know, you give this person control over deciding who's, you know, in tr- who was wrong in an argument. And you submit to them because you agreed for that week. And the next thing you know, they come to the conclusion that they were wrong. And you go... Oh, that argument just stopped, and it ended with me being validated. Hmm, maybe there's something to that, because Mm -hmm. I normally like to argue. Mm -hmm. No, no one likes to argue, but you know, Mm -hmm. you never know. Like, what do you have to lose? The worst that happens is you you go, yeah, the second you were in control, you told me I was wrong every single time. I don't like that. Okay, well, guess what? You're arguing. Well, you were arguing before, or else you wouldn't have negotiated that topic. You didn't Mm -hmm. lose anything. Right. You lost a little bit of pride from not being able to dig your heels in for a couple of days. Who cares? But potentially, you could have gained better conflict resolution for the rest of your marriage. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, and beyond that, there are power imbalances already present. So you can just formalize what's already there and then play with it. Add on some things or say, this one doesn't really work. Let's flip it for a little while and see what happens. Like, who's in charge of the checkbook? Yeah. It's it's a pretty easy thing. But going through negotiating and talking about it and doing the whole communication around who's in charge of what, I mean, I still don't see any risk in doing that. It should be a prerequisite for regular relationships all the time, and well, you it's could not. Al- you could also play with it for fun. Mm-hmm. You can do this in a fun way. Like, how about this one? Okay. You have a partner. Let's just say the guy, because I'm going to be sexist in this example. <laughs> but let's say the guy is a San Diego Chargers football fan. Okay. What if he says, you know what? I hate that you always interrupt and ask me to mow the lawn when the game's on. And then you get frustrated because I, I tell you I want to wait till the game's over. And, I, you know, this is something that you've, you've spatted over over times. Mm-hmm. What about... Whenever the San Diego Chargers are playing, for those three hours, I'm in charge. 
Not only are you going to let me watch the game, if I want you to make me a sandwich, you'll make me a sandwich. If I want you to bring me a beer, you're going to bring me a beer. Mm-hmm. Now, if that in a traditional relationship was something you wanted 24 hours a day, that doesn't fly. Right. Right? That's not the like the, where you want to be. But for three hours, 16 times a year, probably not a big sacrifice for this thing that's his favorite thing. He works real hard and he just wants to watch the Chargers play that's that's where his joy comes from, and now it's going to make it better. And better yet, when his friends are over, I want you to serve them too. Mm-hmm. Because that way I'm king of my castle, and they're going to think that they wish their wives were like that. Now, in exchange, in exchange, when you dot, 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 what do you want? Where do you want to be in control over? Where do you want to have power? Mm-hmm. Oh, really? So then, so one night a week, you're going to choose what movie we go to and what restaurant and I'm not going to bitch because it's a chick flick. And I'm not going to bitch because I don't like the food there. Mm-hmm. Instead, you just tell me what you want. I'm going to drive you. Oh, and, and you're insisting that I shave and actually dress nice for dinner because you want to show me off out in public and have me not wearing my work clothing like I normally do? Fine. All right. Once a week, you're in charge of that. And, and now you have this completely equal balance situation, but you've played with power exchange in the relationship. Right, and, and you've turned up something that both parties could potentially end up being resentful over. She makes me do this thing all the time, and, and he, 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 he have to he, serve he his won't friends. Even, and, he won't even spend 20 minutes to get ready right. when we go out. What if I bump into somebody I know from work? Right, and I'm so embarrassed because he looks like a slob. And, and but the point of this is not that this is a good idea. I'm sorry, this, by the way, is a great idea. If you hear this, do this. It's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. In a, but it's that... What do you have to lose? Was it really bad serving him food during his game when you know that on Tuesday you're going to make him watch this horrible, horrible Matthew McConaughey, Jennifer Aniston movie? And, <laughs> and, he's, and he's not allowed to complain? Yeah. Is it really that hard to do when, when you're getting that? Mm-hmm. No. I mean, if it is, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Because you should... I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, you should... If your partner likes either one of those, you should be giving it to them anyways. But in most relationships, that's not what happens. Mm-hmm. Not to that degree. And the key is to formalize it. Yeah. It's not that I do things for you, you do things for me. It's for the next three hours, you're my slave. Right. But for the, you but, know, for the most part, those things already exist in most relationships but the in conf- some way. But the conflict comes because they don't honor, they're not honored because they haven't been formalized. Right. So in other words, I know that when you watch the game, it's important to you. No, you have all these expectations you that you kind of know are there, but you can fudge it and you get away with it some of the time. So you just let it go. And then, you know, like if you just formalized all of that stuff, Life would be easy. And and again, the reason it's easy is because when you ask for a sandwich during the game, your partner's not allowed to say no. Mm-hmm. Your partner is allowed afterwards, mm-hmm. after that, after the game, to say, you know what, I, I don't like making sandwiches. It's it's nails on a chalkboard to me. I want to renegotiate and take that off the table. You can you can negotiate that and change it later, mm-hmm. but you should not be. So you order a six foot sub from. Some restaurant and serve it to them or, you know, get chicken wings or something. Like, you can still make that work. Yeah. Negotiate it. And again, I'll keep going back to this. This is Pascal's wager. What do you have to lose? Mm -hmm. Nothing. You try it once. I didn't like it. What do you have to gain? 
I get to be king of my castle for three hours every week, even in front of my friends. Yeah. And you get to go see every movie that I don't like for the rest of your life without complaining. Mm -hmm. We have all that to gain, and all we have to lose is one Sunday and one Tuesday. Mm-hmm. It's... I'm sorry. There's no risk in that. Yeah. It's... I think from the outside, it doesn't seem that way. But if you really examine it, there's like no risk there. And right. I keep saying no, that, but I, it's really... There's no, there's not. That's, that, is, that is the low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. Now, how about experimenting with kink? Yeah. There is a wide range. Some of those have a lot to lose. Some of them have nothing. Mm-hmm. Trying something, we right off the bat... We say, well, what do you have to lose if you say, I want you to spank me during sex? Well, you think, well, a couple hits. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not necessarily true. You have a very vanilla conservative partner. They may have a problem with the fact that you even asked for it Mm -hmm. and think differently of you. They may be someone who tells their friends. And now you have to worry about what their friends know about your sex life. I I don't know. Like, you have to weigh that. Mm -hmm. So there's not automatically no risk with any of it. I mean, especially when you get into, say, playing publicly. Mm-hmm. I mean, dungeons are typically very, and munches and other public play spaces are typically very safe places for discretion and privacy. Right. The community, it's very important within the community. However, if you're an elementary school teacher... And you it, run into the principal in there. Well, <laughs> well, no, but it's, it's Pascal's wager. Again... Yeah. The likelihood that somebody from the dungeon is going to tell your work, what you do in your free time, is very low. But very what you low. what you have to lose is the career you've wanted your entire life. You have to weigh that. Well, the the, the risk is more that you're going to see somebody that you know, and if that happens, they are there too. So <laughs> they, they are there too. But the but somebody now knows what you do. People. But you know what they do too, right? But so people, it's you but, have to. But people I, are flawed. Yeah. People get jealous. People. There are stalkers out there. There are people that will that are vengeful. They feel slighted. There are people that will get revenge even for things that were only in their head. They will. They can lash out for rejection. I'm sorry. I, I don't like. I I think the people in the community are fantastic, but humans, as a whole, I have had trust broken so many times with people that otherwise I thought I wouldn't that I don't put a hundred percent of trust in many people. Right. And yeah. so again, it's I'm what, not in those kind of it's what, career fields where that would be a lose. problem. So, so you I, have nothing to lose. If the word gets out that you do it, the worst that happens is your parents go, you do what? And you're like, do you want me to explain it to you? And they're going to be like, no, I don't want to hear it. And you're like, yeah, it's none of your business anyway. So. Right. So, <laughs> but again, Pascal Spencer, mm-hmm. you're not risking anything. Someone else may be. Right. So you have to weigh the risk. So there is there is risk of entering the kink world of the word getting out. You have to... I'm sorry. That's, that's it, I it, it's feel relevant. that the risk is way higher meeting somebody from an online forum or something like that because you don't know where they are. When I, you're in the community, there are precautions in place. They don't allow... Photography. They people. You can wear a mask to the dungeon. There are ways to protect your identity and. and your... I think that you're right. I think mm-hmm. that the, that someone you meet randomly online would have a higher risk of being rejected and then outing you. Uh huh. 
But again, that's the whole idea of Pascal's wager is that even though it's weighing what you have to lose versus the risk, and even if you acknowledge the risk in the dungeon of being out is extremely low, if there's enough to lose, you still don't do it. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's what this whole idea is, right? Right. Um, so, and then, that's anytime you enter the kink world, even with your own partner, yeah, people, that you, someone you trust fully, what do they talk about when you break up? Mm-hmm. You break up and they're like, you know, she was into like, mm-hmm. you think my partner can never do that. But how many breakups have we seen where otherwise you would think decent people turn out to have the ability to out you out people for something? It happens all the time. Look on Facebook. Well, and it happens to people in the community who have been in relationships and then they break up and somebody says that the other con- violated consent. And that happens a lot. And a, and whether it's true or not, it's one person's word. I mean, you have right. to, you have to take it serious. But I have, you know, my situation. I have two stalkers, mm-hmm. and so I can say with one hundred percent certainty that I know two people that say things that aren't misunderstandings, but actually would make things up publicly for the sole purpose of harming me because I wronged them by breaking up with them. Mm-hmm. I never harmed them. You've known me long enough to know who I am. I've never harmed them. I know for a fact that that did not stop them from harming me. Mm -hmm. So my view might be skewed a little bit because I've been very close to this, but I've seen it happen. Yeah. So that's, again, that's just, you weigh that risk. What do you have to lose Mm -hmm. Um, by being outed? Uh, You are risking physical harm with certain kinks. Um, you have to be risk aware, right? That's right. what rack is, right? It's risk aware. It's not that there is no risk of getting hurt doing something mm-hmm. or even being harmed doing something. It's that you take certain precautions and you reduce the chance, but you still need to enter eyes wide open that this might happen. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And what are you willing to risk with what you have to gain? If the chance is that you're finding something that becomes a significant sexual portion of your life and that, and you may find that, it's it's worth risking something, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, but it, none of it comes without risk. Uh, like, that's what risk aware is. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you have to wait, but it's worth it. Emotional trauma, same thing. Mm-hmm. You're doing a scene, emotional things happen, especially with psychosexual LARPing and, and role plays. Mm-hmm. You're digging into an area of your brain that... Or unintentionally things get triggered when you're going through an impact scene. It happens. And sometimes the result is beautiful catharsis and you feel better but other times you've opened up wounds mm-hmm. you have guilt and <clears throat> shame you could trigger depression that might affect the rest of your life you have to be able to understand that that's a possibility and be ready to work on it if it comes up it is mm-hmm. there's also you also have to weigh the risk of if you're a submissive or a bottom getting into a, a relationship with somebody who turns out to not have your best interests in mind as much as they presented. Mm-hmm. 
because a good top and a good dominant will care for you and how this affects you matters and will explain all that to you. Mm -hmm. But someone who is abusive will say the exact same words. Mm -hmm. They're not going to tell you what that this is going to become abusive, right? Right. So you're going to get the exact same message and early on before the facade gets broken, they can look very similar. Mm-hmm. Like, I, don't, I mean, I don't think anybody's perfect at predicting immediately whether someone is good or bad. Some mm-hmm. people might have better instincts than others, but yeah. But none of us are perfect. We've all misjudged people. And again, that risk is present in regular kinds of relationship, but because we are playing with extreme emotions, you know, uh, soliciting all of these brain chemicals that it, it, you really end up in an altered state. You can fall for somebody really hard, really fast. It and is, especially if, oh my God, I mean, people, how many people stay together, vanilla people, because the sex was good? Well, imagine if you find someone that actually opens up a sexual part of you you didn't even know existed. Yeah. And it might feel as if they're the only ones because they're the first ones you did something with. Mm Mm-hmm. And, or it could be that they're a terrible, horrible, abusive person, but in the bedroom, they'll knock your socks off. And I've... And that, those people also exist. Unhealthy people that are good at sex. Mm -hmm. And by the way, sex, I'm talking about sex, BDSM. Right. Whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. whatever category it doesn't matter. There are people that will that have skills. Right, they do that thing you like, and and so you have to go into this when you experiment with this. You need to tread lightly and mm-hmm. and objectively, and you know one of the big things that always not always but often gets overlooked is listen to your friends. Your friends are objective. Yeah. If you have if your friends don't like your partner. How often does that relationship end well? Mm-hmm. None of your friends like your new boyfriend. Oh, but he's great. You just don't know him. And mm-hmm. they all don't like him. Like, have you ever heard that turn into a fairy tale? <laughs> Seriously. Has it ever been that all the friends were wrong and that the person was right? Yeah, I don't know. Probably not. Okay, well, the same thing in, in the BDSM community, which is not just that they don't like the person, but that also could be that person doesn't have a good reputation. Mm-hmm. Reputation matters. And if someone doesn't have a good reputation, I'm not talking about one person that said something bad about somebody. I really do, again, might be on the other side of that. Right. I think you got to take that with a... It doesn't not count. Mm-hmm. But that's not a deal breaker to right. me. Um, but when you start stacking it onto multiple people over periods of time, then, yeah, that's... That matters. Count it. Right. So the potential is there for fiscal damage, emotional harm, physical damage. You have to... Reputation. Yeah. Every, everything. Your repu... Believe it or not, this sounds so weird, but a, a bottom or, or a submissive can get a bad reputation by doing nothing wrong other than by being with a dom who has a bad reputation. Mm-hmm. And it, it it's unfair when this happens... Yeah, it's like. But it. But it, have you, you seen it? Uh, yeah, I had. I've had to weigh that as an option when I was considering being with certain people. Like once their stink is on you, you can't get it off. You know, like that reputation that you were with that person follows you within the scene. 
So, so just again, tread lightly. I mean, mm -hmm. getting together and playing with someone in a safe environment mm -hmm. does not mean you're connected to them. Yeah. It's, it's the levels of connection. Mm -hmm. And, but what you have to gain is opening up a world that may change your life in every way imaginable. You may find that you get the sex that you've always wanted. You may find that you get the, the emotional healing that you've always wanted that that mm -hmm. your counselor, your, your therapist never got to. And and there's areas of yourself where you can be the truest form of yourself in the kink space that you cannot do in the vanilla world at all. So Yeah, how about being in an environment where you know all those screwed up fantasies that you have in your head? I'm speaking to a not everyone, but mm -hmm. just a percentage of people, vanilla people listening, mm -hmm. that have those screwed up fantasies in their head. Mm -hmm. Imagine being in an environment where you can share those with people and people share worse ones. Mm -hmm. And you're not judged for it. And then all of a sudden, you meet someone else that had that same messed up fantasy you did. And you're like, huh? Yeah. And then what if that person happens to be of the gender that you're attracted to? And then you go, wait, this is happening? Mm -hmm. Well, that's every day in the kink community. Right. That's people connect on these different levels. Mm -hmm. You introduce polyamory to it on top of it. And now when I said you have these, these fantasies, you don't need one person to share all those fantasies. All they need to share is one and be a good person. And you guys could, that could be that part of your relationship. It's that fantasy life. Mm -hmm. And you're still open to finding people that occupy those other spaces. Yeah. It's a beautiful situation. It's worth going for if this matters to you, you right. know, if, you know, if you don't have kinky fantasies and you're an elementary school teacher with your career and you, you know, you may not want to dive into this world right. just because like, Oh, I heard about it one time. I was curious. Or I saw that one movie. I saw that one, <laughs> I saw that one movie. But if this is something that occupies your thoughts, if you right. fantasize, I mean, how many people have seen Fifty Shades that were incredibly turned on by it mm -hmm. and didn't see the problems and the flaws and the abuse and the, the issues that, that came with it? And then they come to the kink community and then they realize it's not like that. Eventually they go, they rewatch the movie, they go, oh my God, that movie was really had problems. <laughs> but it was the control and the dominance that turned them on mm -hmm. and they were blind to the rest of it or just ignorant ignorant mm -hmm. and that happens so it doesn't mean you shouldn't be exploring those things it just means tread lightly mm -hmm. you know don't dive in head first maybe right and don't run into the screen into the scene screaming hey i'm new help me find out what i like oh my god yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah don't post on any don't post <laughs> on the kink websites i'm brand new i'm open to everything i need someone to train me right you know you're inviting predators. You're, inviting you're gonna predators. get them. You will find them because they troll for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they troll for it in any space, but that's yes, basically for sure. that's basically saying I'm so naive. Right. So what this is not like when people think, oh, I'm gonna make a New Year's resolution to have a open sexual year, sexual liberation. It's not like you put on a blindfold and just dive in. Yeah, it's not. Laying in bed and masturbating and figuring out what feels good for you. Like, you should already know that before you even attempt this. Because if you don't, you're starting... Yeah. 
in a deficit. So, but yeah. it is encouraging you to weigh the risks and rewards. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've been incredibly redundant this podcast. I keep saying the same thing <laughs> over and over again, but that's kind of the whole idea. I kind yeah. of want that point to keep coming home. What do you have to gain? You know, that partner I talked about at the beginning, what she had to gain is possibly marriage. Yeah. A, or just a long-term partner that where the sex works. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what is the... what is the? I mean, she's lucky what is the price? that she didn't dodge that bullet. Like, what is the price you're willing to pay for that, though? Many, many of us have committed to a long-term marriage or commitment, and that yeah. didn't work. Oh, she work. easily like, could have been 35 <laughs> and been like, oh, my God, my... My clock is ticking. Yeah. And I need to, to pick the best of what's available. And then, like, she yeah. risked nothing. Yeah. And, and now has That's found so something. And, you know, the funny thing is, just a quick aside about her, too, is that she, like, I don't think she's ever, from my guess, I can't predict, but I, I don't think she's ever going to be, I want to be suspended and beaten purple in front of a room full of people no. type. She's not that type. So she just needs to find someone who's a little kinky, and that's not hard. The amount of men out there that'll spank their partner during sex, I mean, that's not a minority. That's just about all of them. And that's all she needs is that physical sensation and endorphin and adrenaline rush to get off. Mm-hmm. Holy fuck, that's nothing. Yeah. That is so easy to find. Yeah. Like, she's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. So be open to it. Weigh the risk. Against the benefits. Do your research. Think with your big head, not your little one. <laughs> yeah, or if you're a girl, think with your big head and... Not your ovaries. <laughs> not your ovaries. <laughs> you know, do your research. Be smart about it. If you want to explore polyamory, there's nothing wrong with reading some books about it first. Mm-hmm. If you want to explore the kink community, go to FetLife and join online groups. Or send us questions. We're happy to hear from all of our listeners. Yeah. Our social media contacts are on kinkbuffet.com. And feel free to send us email at kinkbuffet at gmail.com. And as always, tell us what we got wrong. I so want people to write us because, I mean, I I always believe that we Fans need, and critics. Well, yeah, like, because yeah. If, like, if all we hear is that we're doing a good job, then we're in an echo chamber of people that agree with us. Mm-hmm. You don't grow and evolve yeah. when you surround yourself by people who agree. I want to hear where we're wrong, even from people who are vanilla, who don't understand this world at all. I mean, mm-hmm. tell us your your opinions are valid, and it gives us more information. So, right. you always want the fans to write, but I always want to, criticism. Yeah, and I invite criticism, but yeah, we're open to it. Can't wait to hear from you. Until next time. Bye. <laughs>